0: Hello, and welcome back for another episode of our PS346 podcast, Studio Scoop, where our talented hosts and co-hosts interview some of the amazing people and staff we get a chance to interact with on a daily basis. I am Mrs. Bonin, your podcast moderator. On today's episode, we interview Mr. Barney Brower, the great nephew of Abe Stark, who our school was named after. Mr. Brower is here to give us a little history on his great uncle and to tell us some of his many interesting stories that he remembers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you on part one of this historical educational adventure here at PS346. Good morning, Ms. Rauer. We're so lucky to have you here today. Welcome to Studio School.
1: Good morning. It's wonderful to be. I'm a retired school principal, and I miss being around schools and teachers and kids. So it's wonderful to be here inside a real school again.
0: Well, we're very happy to have you here. Can you please introduce yourself a little bit and tell us something about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, My name is Barney Brower. Um, My first name is the same name as that purple dinosaur, but every silly joke that everybody thinks is so clever, I have heard 8 million times. So I don't (laughs) have any more jokes about my first name, Mr. Browers. Um, I was, and I've been a school principal um, in uh, the city of Boston. Before that, I was a teacher in, uh, at the Martin Luther King School in the city of New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, now I'm an old, retired guy, and I miss being around kids. And uh, I'm also from the family of Ape Stark. Your school was named after my grandmother's brother. So I'm an old guy, and my grandmother was my grandmother. So this is a long time ago, but very long time ago, my grandmother's brother was Uncle Abe, and he was the president of the borough of Brooklyn. And he was also at a different time in his career. He was the uh, president of the city council of the city of New York. And before that, Starting when he was fourteen years old, they were a poor Jewish family in Brooklyn, and he never finished high school. Abe star, um, because at fourteen he had to learn something he could earn a living, and he learned how to make men's clothing. In those days, the factories didn't make suits of clothes; you would go to someone and have a suit made if you were getting married or you know wanted to. Right. So at fourteen, his uh, his family taught him how to cut cloth, and so and he started working. And then by the time he was an adult and was married and had children and so on, he had a, a clothing store. Uh, and it was a very successful clothing store. He made very fancy suits for very fancy business people. Um, and, uh, and that made him kind of well known. And in the days when there was a stadium called Ebbets Field, where the Brooklyn Dodgers played baseball, my uncle Abe, Abe Stark, had a sign in the back of the outfield that said, Dodgers hit this sign and win a free suit (laughs) at Abe Stark's. And originally, the sign covered the whole back of the outfield, right? But the story is, and I just heard these stories growing up, was that too many of the players were hitting the (laughs) sign. So when they fixed up, it was built he had a smaller sign. But if you Google (laughs) Abe Stark, you may get a picture of... um,
0: It is um, one of the stories that popped up about Abe Stark. That's
1: right. uh, uh, The sign was was there for for years. And there's a cartoon that was in the newspapers years ago showing a man supposedly... um, Uncle Abe standing in front of the sign to catch it, so nobody's going <laughs> to get the sign. But he was a very successful businessman, and then he uh, went into uh, elected politics and was an official of the borough of Brooklyn and of the city of New York um, for 40-something years, um, all the time when I was a little boy. I'm now an old man, I'm going to be 75 years old. and. All of this happened when I was like five years old, so quite a long time ago, but that's uh, how I knew my uncle Abe. And because he had a very successful store and then he was an elected official, he had a very fancy car with a driver who wore a uniform and had a gun. (laughs) And my family is Jewish. There are a lot of Jewish people in Brooklyn. And so every year, around this time of year, a little earlier, a few weeks ago, um, is the holiday of Passover. And my family um, would have a big, it's called a a Seder, is the gathering of the family in which you read the story of the Jews leaving Egypt thousands of years ago. Um, and, uh, And my family, we would have 50, 60 people coming from all over who were all our cousins and so on. And my uncle Abe would come with his limousine and his chauffeur with a gun, and his grandchildren. Um, and that's you know, that's how we knew he was the borough president. And uh, then I heard there was a school named after him.
0: And, well that brings me to my next question. Yes, <laughs> you, Abe Stark's your uncle, and here you are at Abe Stark's school. How did you manage to get here today?
1: I can't remember. When somebody told me, you know, there's a school in Brooklyn named after your uncle, which I had not known. Um, how long ago was the school named that? Quite a while ago. As far as I can remember, as right. long as it existed.
0: I don't know exactly, but for a long time.
1: Right. Yeah. Um and uh and then just recently I'm I'm a retired school principal. I miss being around children. Uh, my own children are grown and my My daughter and her husband have a farm in Argentina and my son works construction building houses in Utah. So my own family lives pretty far away. And at one point I Googled Abe Stark and found out there's a school. So I called up and said, you know, I'd love to come visit. And I said to your principal, Mr. Edwards, you know, I'm from Abe Stark's family. And he kind of said, wow, we don't know. Too much about Abe Stark, even though the school was named after him. And I said, well, I know a good bit. And so here I am to share some of that and to be back in the school.
0: Well, we're very happy to have you here. Before I know you have so many stories. So before you tell us some more stories, one of your favorites, favorite stories that you can remember about your uncle or some story that's been told to you that you want to make sure you tell us before you leave today.
1: Well, imagine a big Jewish family having a Passover Seder. And if you've never been to a Passover Seder, it used to be held in someone's house until it got too big for that. Then it would be in a a hotel somewhere, right? And imagine 60 people, like at a big wedding. And it would start in the afternoon and run. And all my cousins, who I didn't see during the year, would, would be there, right? And then Uncle Abe would come with his... Chauffeur <laughs> in this big black car um, with his grandchildren, um, and he had three grandchildren. Uh, they there were the twins, um, and uh, Sharon and Waleen. Uh, his son uh, was named Stanley Stark and Stanley had uh, three children. And the twins, when I was a little kid, when I was six, seven years old, the twins were older than me, they were teenagers, okay? And they were, their grandfather was the borough president, and he had this very successful clothing store. And on top of all that, they were tall, and they were thin. My family was not full of people who were thin. (laughs) They were tall. And they were thin, and they were really good looking, and they were used to growing up with a limousine to drive them around and take them, right? Um, and, uh, And there were two of them who looked exactly the same, right? So they would come and they would kind of treat us like the poor relatives which we were, right? and uh then there was little michael who was five years when they were teenagers he was five years old and uh that's when i was growing up every year that's what would happen at our passover saturday we'd see uncle Abe, and sometimes you know his limousine driver would take us for a ride around the block and that right and that's all we knew that he was famous right and we knew that you know some my uncle soul took me to a baseball game uh, to see the dodgers and there's the sign dave Dave starks that's that's how i grew up and it wasn't until i became an adult that i began to um to know about his career both uh his clothing store and uh and his career in in politics and here i am Dave stark school before you go any further the you know having anything named after you whether it's a relative or it's yourself it's I mean, you got to be proud of that. Um, There are other facilities named after Abe Stark in the city. Um, But this is a school. Does this give you any bigger pride or special? Absolutely. And my uncle Abe grew up very poor in New York. As far as I can tell, he never finished high school. Because when he was 14, he had to start working full-time making clothing. So he always respected education. And his son became a doctor. And he was very proud that his son was a doctor because he himself, um, even though he went on to be an elected official, had never finished school. He had started out selling clothing and then he had his own store. um, and, And, you know, he was famous. In New York, we were just kids, um, and a sweet man, um, and we were very proud of him.
0: What do you think he would think of the school today if he was here to see it?
1: Oh, he'd be he'd, he'd be very excited. He would be in the classrooms. He would have kids read to him. He would ask them what they knew about why they're scaffolding all around the school. He was he was just a, he was a sweet man. And he he grew up in Brooklyn and he knew everybody. Um that's that's who he was. Um and here's here's a very sad family story, which I guess you kids are old enough to hear the sad part. A lot about my famous uncle, I'll believe, Um is not known, because when he got to be very old, he had been borough president in Brooklyn for many years. And he got to be in his 80s. um, And he wasn't in such good health. And so it turned out that his son, Stanley Stark, the doctor, as we called him, the father of the twins, um, was helping in his father's office and had actually a great big house somewhere in Brooklyn, um, which was his doctor's office, but then he was kind of helping his father. And so all the paperwork, he moved to his doctor's office. And then the very tragic, sad thing is there was a fire and the house burned to the ground and all of the papers all of the history of ape star was burned yeah a question about that though barney yes um i mean in as much as everything from his office uh, was taken to the dentist's office his uh, the doctor's, office, yeah. doctor's office um that can't be every place i mean all the files all the information about his what he did when he was the borough president couldn't just be in one place, is it? Well, I didn't know this story until relatively recently when I live in a town that has a significant Jewish community that every year they have a Jewish film festival. And one day I saw the program of the Jewish film festival and there's going to be a film about Ape Star at my local mm-hmm. movie theater. Okay, And so I said to my wife, let's, let's go see, this is going to be interesting. And uh, Abe Stark um, was one of the people who created what became the Brownsville Boys Club, which was the biggest gym in Brooklyn. And the way it started was that the teenagers in Brooklyn, particularly the Jewish kids and the African-American kids, were hanging out on the streets, and sometimes the police would hassle them. They were teenagers, and they had no place to go because they lived in crowded apartments in Brooklyn. And Abe Stark was a businessman. And he gathered up a group of the teenage kids, and he said, you want to form a little club, and I'll help you have a clubhouse. And so to be a member of the club, which became the Brownsville Boys Club, you paid 25 cents a month as your <laughs> dues. And if you didn't pay your dues, couldn't you were kicked out, right? And he rented a tiny little store so that if the police were rounding up teenagers who were getting in trouble, you had a place you could go, and it was your club. Nobody over the age of 18 could be a member of what was called the Brownsville Boys Club, and it was a little store, okay?
0: Do you know if the Brownsville Boys Club still exists?
1: The building no longer exists, as far as I know. Um, But for many years, it was the place, it had gyms and swimming pools and so on. And I think it may have had a different name after a while and it was replaced by more modern facilities. But when I was growing up, it was the place in Brooklyn where in the summer you could go swim indoors. And um, that was um, the Brownsville Boys Club. And uh, so he, these teenagers, the Jewish teenagers, and the African-American teenagers became friends. And that was a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the 1940s, right? And when I met some of these guys, when they were old men, I was a kid, right? They would joke about the fact that the African-American guys were tall and the little Jewish kids had a set shot. You know, they didn't, they didn't have a jump <laughs> shot. The tall kids had a jump shot, but they had a set shot and they could sink it from midcourt. <laughs> Right? And they were friends. They were good. Okay, so in the paper, it says there's going to be a movie about this. Okay, so I go to the movie and we get there a little bit early. And sitting in the theater are three very tall, very big African American uh men who are like 75 years old. Right? And they are the kids who were in the a Boys Club. So I walk over to them, and I said, you know, I just want to say hello. Abe Stark was my, my grandmother's brother, who's my uncle. And these old guys struggled to get out of their seats and give me a hug. He says, come here. You're all know, saved my life. Oh, that's so nice. He said, we were street kids, and we get in trouble with the cops. we get in trouble with the Italian kids, who had, some of them had guns, right? And we didn't know what to do until he got us this little clubhouse. And for 25 cents a month, we could go to our clubhouse and have meetings. And we had to run it ourselves. And it became a very big, over the years, it became a very big gym. Uh, The building is not here anymore, I'm told. Um, But it was the center of activities. Um, So that's these three African-American guys who were like 65 years old, right? And off in the corner, is a young African-American guy wearing a suit. And he's a professor. And he has written a book about Brownsville, Brooklyn. And he hears that I'm related to Dave Stark. And he says, you related to Dave Stark? I said, yeah. He said, I have to talk to you. I have to talk to- After this movie, I have to talk to you. you. Please, will you stay? I said, sure. His name is Wendell Pritchard. And this is many years later after this story happened. He's now the first African-American president of the University of Pennsylvania. Oh. But at that time, he was a young professor. Okay, And his doctorate was in urban studies, and he grew up in Philadelphia. So when he was going to graduate school to get his doctorate, he wanted to do a study of some city, and his professor said, you can't do Philadelphia. You, your whole family's here. You know too much. Go someplace that you really want to learn about. And he heard about Brooklyn, and he heard about the relationship between the Jewish community and the black community and the Italians. No, he thought that'd be interesting. So he wrote his proposal to write his doctorate, take a year off, to do research, and write his doctorate to become a professor. <clears throat> so then he comes to Brooklyn, and... There are no records of Abe Stark's 40 year political career. Mm. He can't find anything. He goes to City Hall, he goes all over. And he has to write his dissertation, which is now a book. Um, I brought a copy to show to you your principal. Um, and he said, I had to write my doctoral dissertation with no evidence, no paperwork, right? And convince them that I would have gone to a all year, right? And I said, I can tell you what happened. And he was shocked. And I said, this is a sad story in my family. When my great uncle, my grandmother's brother, his daughter, had been in politics for 30, 40 years. He got to be pretty old. And it was harder for him to do all the job of, right? And his son was a very successful doctor. And his son, Stanley, kind of was helping out and ended up moving all the paperwork into his house, which was a big house somewhere in Brooklyn. I haven't yet found out where it was, but it was a big doctor's office, and he stopped seeing patients and was kind of almost pretending that that his father was still kind of signing all these papers and so on. And then there was a terrible fire in his doctor's office, which was also his house, and it burned to the ground. So the the paperwork for the 30, 40 years of Abe Stark's career is gone. So this professor had to write his doctoral dissertation and he couldn't find the paperwork and no one could explain it to him. And I said, well, I I was a kid when I heard that, you know, there was this fire. Mm -hmm. And so that's my family. And now I'm back in Brooklyn. I live up outside Boston. I've been a school principal for many, many years, so I know it's nice to be in schools. I miss being in kids. I'm an old, retired guy. And I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call them up and say I'm from Ape Stark's family. And (laughs) Mr. Edwards said, you're from Ape Stark's family? And I told him a shorter version of his story, and he said, oh, we'd, we'd love to meet you because our school is named after Ape Stark, but we don't know very much. And I said, well, there was a tragedy in which all the Historical records, burn the ground.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to part one of Mr. Barney Brower on today's episode. Stay tuned for part two coming your way.